All right, Mots, we are back. Episode 80 of the Rink Shrinks. What do you say? You ready to go? Let's go. Uh, episode 80 here we have a great interview with uh chicago wolves head coach ryan wasofsky but before we get to that let's uh let's catch up how's everything been going yeah doing great the, the weather's been warm and been really nice to get outside um you know we uh able to you know have some family activities outside and you know again mowing the lawn i legitimately go in like spaces with what like I'd notice, so I picked weeds all along the pavers, along the, the walkway, working on the grip strength, and um, and I asked the girls, I'm like, hey, you guys want to get out and do the renegade, you know, like that, you know, little TikTok or whatever, do the renegade while picking renegade blades of grass, like in the front yard, and like, absolutely not, dad. <laughs> so anyway, but it's unbelievable, this one strand of, I've talked about this before, one strand of grass, like grows a little faster than the rest and it just bothers me so i gotta maybe look for professionals to like come up with uh something to come to up kill with a solution that. i actually uh, now you say it I, I got into the weeds over the weekend too the uh in my my front bushes i was plucking away pulling those things what a pain like it's unbelievable i planted those new uh hydrangeas or whatever the the weeds are grown great the hydrangeas not so much <laughs> It's unbelievable. Well, you go away for like a night and come back and there's just weeds everywhere. I'm like, what am I supposed, how do I kill these things? I need a professional. Yeah. You know, just sometimes you um, you have to call someone in out of the bullpen. I I do have some good stuff for certain weeds, but these things are like, it's like legit grass. So I don't know. I don't want to kill the lawn, you know, but yeah. yeah. You know, but it's funny, like when you see something or like even when you're driving around, like let's just say, you know, we're looking at like uh, putting in a, a mailbox. Then all of a sudden, you start noticing people's mailboxes, or mm. you do the shutters, and you're like, "Oh, that was the spacing there, the height, and like all those." And uh, but when I see the weeds, I was like, "All right, that's it. Not one weed will be on this walkway." And uh, you know, it worked out great. Came out, came out sharp, but like no one's gonna notice. <laughs> yeah, but I did. Any uh, speaking of playing in the weeds, any more uh, softball extravaganzas or what? No, we uh, we have a game coming up. Um, you know, we had a lot of banter about you know the performances of some guys, and I just want to just keep getting better. You know, just find the swing. You know, be professional hit. I just get on base. Don't have to hit the long bombs. And you just add value. Oh, did I speaking of uh, long bombs? Did I tell you about uh, what happened with Collins? So they were in the sectionals. So my middle son. Uh, 12-year-old, so he's playing the 12-year-old All-Stars in Dorchester. So Thursday night, um, they played up in Everett, which had a nice field up there Wednesday, Thursday, Friday. So Thursday, uh, I didn't have to work that night. I, I popped down to the old night shift brewery down the street after, I, you know, he's got to be there an hour before the game. And there was a game before, so myself and a couple other parents go down there and have a, a, a couple beverages. Um, Brian was with me, my oldest, and so we were sitting around and, you know, just clock killing. We're killing an hour and, and you know, basically a power alley. So it's like, you know, say the game was at 745. So it's 630. Yeah, we can do one more type of thing. And, you know, these games never really start on time. It's a, it's a two minute walk up the street. So we get a text, you know, at 746, basically 
Colin let off the game with a home run out of the park, first ever, like, and we missed it. So, yeah. oh, well, I'm, sure, I'm sure after? there's plenty of pan- – what's that? Did you pretend after? Yeah, hey, that was, that was a money. Yeah, I was like, swing. oh, it's a great hit, center field, deepest part of the park. He's like, Dad, you weren't there. I'm like, dude, <laughs> I missed it by, like, literally – a minute like how was i supposed to know like the first little league game in history that actually started on time like come on so yeah i was uh i was i was upset with myself but it is what it is you know what i mean he, he yeah, didn't but he, you know he what he flipped the, the script you know it could have been a long car ride home from everett you know he's giving you the silent treatment exactly well the rest of the game was uh was was not too good either so i kind of missed the the only highlight for the old dot rats but it is what it is, but baseball season for us is uh, coming to a close. Basically, the last uh, last week of it, and like you said, it's been it's been super hot like around here. It really has been. It's it's been nasty out. Yeah, th- today as we record, it's a nice day, less humidity, but yeah, it has been a little uh, you know kind of the humidity and a little dangerous at times getting out there. But like I said before, like you get out and you start sweating, like I'm either just all in. Or I don't want to sweat, you know, like that half in in and out, you know, and you start right, leaking through right. your shirt when you you know have to go out in public, or I just stink and just like just sweat like throughout yeah. the whole day and don't shower until the end. But yeah, it's it's been nice though. Can't complain. Yeah, you can't complain about the heat. We uh, we had a great j- day up at uh, Jake Tebow's golf tournament on uh, on this past Monday, which was a heck of a crowd. We had a, a heck of a foursome. Um, Obviously, the two of us, the two shrinks, Brennan Byrne and Matt Brown, which was, uh, you know, always great to have a fellow Cushing Penguin on the team. And uh, and and we had a smart kid in Brennan Byrne, Milton Academy, Harvard guy. And Brownie obviously played at Northeastern. But we had a heck of a day. It was a lot of fun. It was great seeing those guys. And it's it's amazing to see the progress that Jake's made and, you know, the commitment from his family and his parents and his brother Drew. It's been it was uh it was really really cool event the Bruins Foundation you got to give a shout out to those guys and Bob Sweeney and everything that they do so really cool they were auctioning some stuff off and they're like Sweeney was auctioning off a box and he's like Mott you gonna be there like that was that was a, a bit of the selling point you know selling point, yeah. <laughs> you know the, the the bids went down after that <laughs> <laughs> they like, hey I'll, I'll have a take back on that uh, you're like hey but, you know, no no we day. want the box we want the box without Mott's. <laughs> we'll pay him not to be there so um yeah what a day i mean it just shows the strength in the hockey community you know people um you know townsend isn't that close but there was a lot of people that you know made the trip out and showed up and you know we had a great time with our foursome but um it just shows the strength of the community the hockey community the support and he's such an impressive kid like if really you is. know anyone who was there you know can listens to him speak and the drive and determination he has to walk again um, and he's making strides, you know, as we speak. So that's, it's one of the things that keeps him motivated and it definitely um, inspires everyone who was there when he was speaking and it was an emotional time, but um, it was a great day all around. There was a lot of funds and um, you know, again, just proud to be a part of that community. Yeah. And you know, even though we came in fourth place, we still, we, we, we battled, we grinded. There was a couple sticks there, I think. There maybe some sandbaggers, but we played played halfway decent. Yeah, it, we heated up. You know, f- first few swings were a little creaky <laughs> after a, an hour and a half drive. Yeah, but. you. Were, I mean, if I had known you had done that much weed in the day before, I probably would have 
got down and gave you know got the foam roller out and stuff for you to limber up before the uh, the first couple shots. Yeah, loosen up. But yeah, we had a ball, and uh, we wish Jake the best. Always, um, you know, he, like I said, he's an impressive kid, and he's an inspiration to all. Yeah, it was good to see Mike rocking the uh, the shrinks hat too. So his uh, his dad, who's a great guy, and yeah, a lot of fun, a lot of uh, a lot of great people rallying together, and that's again what this hockey community is, is you know makes it so so special. So um, next thing up, Mots was uh, did you happen to catch any of the the? I know this is you know you're not a Yankees guy, but I'm a Derek Jeter fan. I kind of always have been. I watched uh, a couple episodes of the new documentary, the 30 for 30, the captain. Did you happen to catch any of it? I did not, but I know, you know, he's a, you know, I was always a baseball fan and then a Red Sox fan. You know, that's what I always told Ryan. We lived in the metropolitan New York metropolitan area. And, you know, he's getting, a hard time for wearing his Red Sox socks and his Red Red Sox t-shirt. I'm like, hey, listen, we're Red Red Sox fans after being baseball fans, and you know that's such a great rivalry. But uh, you know, the captain, you know, it's a story about you know race, media, celebrity culture, um, but the insatiable drive to be the best version of yourself, and that's what he was, and that's one of the things that you have to admire and respect about you know Derek Jeter and. Even if he was wearing the pinstripes, he still, you know, respect his um, his willingness to do whatever it took to win, and uh, he did it in a very um, say I wouldn't say humble, but it's just more like a you know you know gentleman way, and you know right. it wasn't like outwardly cocky or anything, but he had that internal you know um, confidence, and it showed when you know the clutch situations came up and. Uh, yeah, I'm going to definitely watch it, but I haven't yeah, caught any episodes. Definitely watch it, and we can maybe break it down a little bit more because there was some, you know, like I said, I uh, watched the first two episodes, and uh, really, really good, and some different things. And he talks about the highs and lows of his career and also, you know, how when he did get to the big moments, how, you know, he took every day that he was at the field and played every game like it was, you know, basically a you know world series type of game and that way he never you know got too high and too low which is very you know it's something that young hockey players or young athletes in general can really learn from so we'll have to you know i don't want to ruin it all for you so let's uh you know in in the next couple weeks let's make a point to you know kind of i think it's gonna be six maybe eight episodes uh we'll have to break it down a little more that'll be great yeah he's such a leader and take a lot of the points that, um, you know, he did innately and, and probably learned some stuff along the way that, you know, we can, we can talk about and, you know, these young listeners can apply to their own, you know, personal lives. Absolutely. Uh, what'd you think of the Calgary and uh, Florida trade? Pretty interesting. I mean, two high profile players and, you know, Uyghur as well, like he's, he's coming into his own, um, you know, Kachuk, they need a little bit more sandpaper down in Florida. I think he is a good fit. Huberto is coming up on you know the end of his deal, so we'll see. Well, only time will tell you know, to see who wins the trade. But um, it's interesting how both clubs were willing to you know part ways with you know top end players who are big part of that fabric of each team. And um, yeah, we'll we'll have to see. But like Kachuk is a an interesting player because he ha- has the skill, the grit, you know the uh, antagonizing kind of attributes that can change like a culture on a team. So we'll see how it works out. And, you know, they went out and addressed a need that, you know, was definitely a, 
a glaring hole in the playoffs. So, um, and Hubie is a good dude. Like I was roommates with him uh, my last year, and just an awesome guy. Had a great year, and you know, we'll, we'll see how he fits up uh, up in Cal. But you know, well, I think uh, only time will tell. Yeah, no, it was uh, it was definitely interesting. I was shocked. I mean, I've really. Um, you know, I got to know, you know, Huberto a bit when, when, you know, just from Keith being down in Florida and always really liked his game, unbelievable passer and hockey sense and things like that. And Matthew Kachuk, I mean, obviously the Kachuk name speaks for themselves and his play. And like you said, him being that kind of antagonizer. And, you know, I love this press conference right away. He's talking about, you know, I used to hate the Edmonton or, you know, I hate the Edmonton Oilers, but now I really hate the, the Tampa Bay Lightning and talking about how, you know, they're going to need to go through. Uh, them to get to where they want to be to get to the Stanley Cup and things like that. So it really was, uh, you know, I, I mean, I think personally, like, you know, initially I'm like, this would have been an even like one to one trade, you know what I mean? And, and I've really seen Uyghur over the past five years kind of morph into a, a strong top pairing defenseman. Him and Ekblad were, uh, were pretty dynamic back there and, you know, a kid undrafted player uh i believe and and he ended up you know he, he really cobbed himself and plays the offside a lot like which is very very valuable as a right-handed guy and does a good job another guy that super super like nice guy just a a, a good good dude so uh and then they threw in some picks and stuff like that and, and, a, and a prospect as well so it was it was interesting i think to see everything but obviously uh you know florida really targeted kachuk and they uh they really wanted him i know the kachuk family uh, is probably psyched that you know to have him in um, you know be in Florida and stuff like that and easier probably an easier commute for them getting from St. Louis down to uh, down to the to the Sunrise area versus uh, up to Calgary you know yeah and getting a little respite from the weather you know get down there and be like yeah we're going to see Matthew exactly yeah, big wall I'm sure we'll have the clones yeah. yeah. So. Exactly. Exactly. Uh, I saw an, uh, an interesting tweet too uh, from Coach Be uh, Bechler, B E C H L E R. I think that's how it's spelled. Uh, coaches, we must remember we are the uh, we are the adult in our program. We are the one who should know how to act, behave, communicate, and deal with adversity. Yes, our athletes should uh, do many things, but we are the mature one in the relationship. We show the way we set the example. I thought this was, you know, obviously we're coming into August. Like, I, I really can't believe it, but hockey season's around the corner. And uh, I, I just kind of like this 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 tweet or, you know, quote, whatever it was. Yeah, it just really summarizes what we should be doing as adults slash coaches. And, you know, there is, you know, a level of expectation, you know, when it comes to the behavior side of it. Most teams – um you know, embody the personality of the coach and the direction of what instruction is being said by the coach, you know, whether they're yellers or intense, you know, kind of laid back, let them play more creative. So that is a really good quote. It kind of, you know, touches on a lot of different things, but that's really, um, as, as a coach, I, I feel that, you know, if you keep it in, in control, your team will keep it in control. And also, you know, to lead by example as an adult, as a coach, and as an influencer of young, you know, impressionable players, you know, boys and girls. So I think that was, uh, he touched on a, a lot of good stuff there, and uh, it's always good to have reminders. 
Yeah, well, uh, before we get to our interview, speaking of coaches uh, with with Ryan Wasowski, I'd like to talk to you about Cross Country Mortgage. If you own a home and you haven't looked into refinancing in a while, have a quick chat with our friend Chris Devon and see if it makes sense for you. Devo may be able to help you save on a monthly basis so that you can put more money into savings or other projects. Check him out at chrisdevon.com. Check out our boy Devo. He's a good man. He can help you in many ways, so... Check him out at chrisdevin.com. And now I think it's time for uh, our interview with Ryan Wasowski, head coach of the AHL uh, Calder Cup champion, uh, Chicago Wolves. I had the chance to hang out with him, get a couple picks with the uh, Calder Cup over the weekend. I didn't touch it because you never know. I still might want to win one, but uh, we had a we had a great time. It was great catching up with him, and hope you guys really enjoy this uh, interview with Ryan Wasowski. <laughs> All right, and our next guest is a two-time Calder Cup AHL champion. Uh, he's come a long way since working global hockey camps where we were playing asteroids with the kids and, you know, wiffle ball in the spare rink down at the Bavis Arena. But uh, we're very proud of him and really looking forward to this conversation. Welcome to the uh, Rink Shrinks podcast, Ryan Wasowski. Thanks, guys. Thanks for having me. It's definitely been a – man, I think it was about 10 years ago today I was probably in that rink teaching these kids how to play roller hockey. You just, take, on. You, you just taking slap shots at the kids playing asteroids, breaking their steel, parents <laughs> coming home going like, yeah, I don't know what happened to their steel. I, yeah, no idea. Yeah. Babysitting the kids at lunchtime. Playing sharks and minnows. Oh, yeah. yeah. Oh, Getting you quick a long feet way. <laughs> yeah, like thanks that. a lot for taking the time out, Ryan. Uh, we can just uh, dive into your career and, you know, where you are now and, you know, BY and you guys, you, you go way back, uh, you know, the family. and But could you just, you know, start us out how you started playing and also, you know, some of the early influences that kind of helped you in that early developmental stage? Yeah, I think uh, obviously grew up in Marshfield and down the South Shore and, um, you know, had two older brothers that played and then a younger brother. So it's four of us total that kind of grew up around the game of hockey and, um you know, started at a young age. I don't even think I was very good probably when I first started and um, just try to get better. Played for the Bay State Sharks and I think they're probably the breakers now, right? Um, yep. You know, and, and grew up playing them in the Metro League and traveling. And, and I remember our teams weren't very good, but, um, you know, I had a lot of fun with it. And, and you know, I played other sports too. Like I, I wasn't just all dived in in hockey. You know, I was a big baseball player and um, usually took a lot of summers off to play baseball. So, um, and then from there, I went and played, uh, you know, just Marshfield High School hockey. Um, you know, my brothers had went to private school and at CM and and, and Severian. I just kind of felt more comfortable going to a public school, and you know, made the team as a freshman and playing varsity for four years. It was awesome. I was kind of a you know a big fish in a little pond, and w- was kind of the go-to guy through you know my whole high school career, and and then got the chance to go you know postgraduate at Cushing. Obviously the the Penguins are a, um, was a hockey powerhouse back then. And, you know, all the great players and BY and, and Keith and Chris Bork. And, you know, my brother was there with Ryan Bork. There was a good group of guys that I had got to know that had played there. And it was kind of a no brainer. Like that was the next step in my, in my journey. And, um, you know, co- playing for coach Jacobs and coach Troy, who are two of the best, um, the best, you know, just learned so much I'm living on my own. It, I needed that in my career to, to kind of live on my own and, and, find my way a little bit um and i had we had a great team uh i ended up losing to holiness uh, not holiness uh nobles 
you know, the Hayes brothers and, and they had a really good team, but uh, it was a fun group, fun year. I learned so much. I, that's probably where I grew the most as a, you know, really as a person, just kind of figuring out time management, school, um, other things that are going on. And then, you know, went on to Sacred Heart University, you know, wanted to play division one hockey. And, you know, I always look back sometimes and like, was that the right decision? Cause I didn't have a ton of offers. Um, I had a lot more, you know, offers to go play division three and, um, you know, similar to when I went to a public school, I could have been a big fish in a little pond and went to Sacred Heart and kind of grinded out for two and a half years. And, you know, I remember, you know, talking to, uh, I think, it was, I think it was Bubba Bork radar. And he's just like, Hey, if you're not having fun, man, you either got to hang them up or you're going to make a change. Um, so I, I just wasn't having fun going to the rink and, uh, made a move to go back to back closer to home to Curry and play division three. It was great. And then, um, you know, I had, a, I had a blast. I just played so much, you know, I enjoyed going. I found the fun in the game again. You know, the coach was a little cuckoo at times, but, you know, I kind of liked it. He was hard on me, and I and I needed that probably in that time in my career. Um, and, and I knew I was going to go to the NHL, so I went and played overseas for a year and, and had some fun. But I knew in the back of my mind I wanted to get into coaching. Um, you know, when, and through those summers, obviously, I was working the global hockey schools and, you know, having a blast, didn't know where I was going to lead. I didn't know which, if I was going to get into coaching, if I wanted to be a scout. Um, I just wanted to be around the game and, and learn and, and, and be around people that wanted to make kids better. And, and, you know, thanks to BY, he was, he was around the rinks and, and helping out and brought me on board as a, one of the head counselors. It was great. That's, that minimum wage I was paying him in the off season made him realize, <laughs> yeah, I'm all set with this youth hockey stuff. Let's try to get to the pro, to, to the pro level. Yeah. Uh, but you, but you hit on a couple, you know, really good things there, Ryan, obviously through everything, obviously your parents, Mark and Don, great people and got you involved in the game early along with, you know, Adam, Jared and David and, and, you know, the, the support system was there, but were there any, you know, really like coaching influences as a young kid that you really, you know, look back on and say like, you know, if it wasn't for this guy that, you know, I, I, I wouldn't be where I am today, coaching the American league, you know, interviewing for NHL head coaching jobs and coaching jobs. Yeah. I think, um, obviously the Sullivan's Mike Sullivan, uh, his parents, you know, kind of who started the Bay state sharks and, um, who were my godparents kind of got me probably involved in the game the most, um, and following Mike and his career and then get into coaching, um, was in really a really big part of it. And then, you know, Dan Conley, who's a head coach at Marshall high school, you know, you know, I was just a captain my junior year, and it's not like he tried to mold me and to be this specific cap uh, 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 leader. A leader, like he let me lead my own way and let me grow and make mistakes. And um, I thought that was a huge part of my development as a more of a leader than anything. Um, he let me be me and, and lead my own way because uh, I think there's different ways to do it. I was a little bit more vocal than. You know, you watch Patrice Bergeron. He's probably a little bit more quieter when he speaks. Guys listen, but he, he shows it by his work ethic. Um, so, I, I, you know, I think those two people, Coach Jacobs and Coach Troy, when I got to Cushing, you know, sh- showed me the next, you know, how to do it the next the next level, you know, how it gets a little bit more serious, you know, as you go up the ladder. And um, and then I had some coaches that I, I didn't enjoy, and I learned from them too and what not to do, especially becoming a coach. Um, and there's some things you try to take pieces of, you know, from what you did, Bri, with um, at Global and the hockey schools and just, you know, skating instruction, just the, the way you communicate. So along the way, I've tried to pick, you know, certain things from certain coaches and try to, you know, mold myself as a coach and, and hopefully help some other guys along the way. You actually uh, left out that you played for the Cape Cod Bluefins, though. 
<laughs> I thought but that was a like baseball team or something. I was done. <laughs> and this um, guy I knew that was run the team like, hey, can you come down for one game? And I'm like, man, I'm done. Like, I, I was so done with – I just got back from, like, the Central League getting caught, like, six flights of a layover to get – when I got – they got booked me through – I was leaving, like, Rio Grande to Austin to Dallas. Dallas got canceled, went to, like, D.C. It took me, like, 40 hours to get home, and he calls me the next day. And finally, my dad's like, I'll go to the game. Let's go. I want to go. You know, my dad, like, <laughs> yeah. go to any hockey game in the world. He's like, let's go. <laughs> So my I father probably game. went with them. Yeah, I know. I think they were going to pay me like 250 bucks. I never saw the money. And the, <laughs> the, the guys in the room were like, hey, we're taking warm up with no buckets. So I'm out there ripping around with no, I'm like, what am I, what did I, right in warm ups, I'm like, what did I put myself into? And I was just checked out. I'm like, oh my God. It was <laughs> oh, hilarious. hilarious. Well, I remember those days at Curry, and, and you know, you talked about it, um, and we can get into the coaching stuff, but just in terms of, you know, I remember watching you play. You were, you know, strong physical defenseman, you know, heavy shot. And when you played at Curry, like I remember going to Ewan Rank and, and watching those games and, you know, you always you you guys had a good team. You guys played hard and tough and things like that. But you talk about that, you know, making that decision to kind of you know really wanting to play Division One hockey and going that that route. But then you know ultimately uh, you know transferring after talking to Ray Bork and going Division Three. But you know, like would your advice for somebody that's you know call you yourself a bit of a tweener yeah. like? It, it, would you suggest, because uh, I think that there's definitely people that listen to the show that are kind of that guy and there's parents yeah. too. And it's like, you know, what, what would your suggestion be in terms of like finding that right level to go and play? Yeah, I think you got to go where you want it. And you, whoever shows you the most love is probably, the, it's going to be the spot for you. Now you got to feel comfortable when you visit the school and all that. But, you know, I remember Hobart was a division three school. I could have played baseball there. Like it was a total package. And this coach would call me every week. He was all over me. And in my head, I'm like, nope, I got to go Division One. I, I got to go Division One. And looking back, you know, Division One wasn't for me. And it's not, there's no right or wrong reason. It doesn't mean I was a bad player, but um, you have to enjoy this game. I tell our guys today, like, if you don't enjoy coming to the rank, I need to know about it. You need to come and tell me so we can make a change here to get you to enjoy. This is a game. We, we all, this is a game that we love to play. We all love growing up playing. And you, have, you can't lose that joy and that passion to play the game. So, you know, I, I think you got to go where you want to, where you feel most comfortable. You know, you can still go and, and, and be the big fish in a small pond and, and have, you know, a great career. And you never know where what, what happens down the line. So I, I agree. I think that's one regret that I probably have in my career. Now it worked, it worked, it all worked out, but um, you got to go where you wanted, you know, the school that wants you the most, the school that shows you the most love, the, if you feel the most comfortable, usually that's the right spot. You know, so that's something that I kind of learned through the process. And sometimes it takes a little self-evaluation to kind of see where you slot and where you can succeed the most. And yeah, it might not sure. be at that division one level. So yeah. it does take a little bit of humility to take a look in the mirror and yeah. kind of honestly assess your skill sets. And, um, but sometimes, you know, you, you get outside influences and you know, kind oh, of yeah, push you a certain sure. way. Yeah. And, and it like affects, like you could go, I could have went to BU and played four games and like, but that affects my, like that you're miserable. Like you're not going to enjoy the game. You're not, you're gonna, it's going to affect your life. It's going to affect your off ice stuff. It's just going to, you know, I, I think it's, yeah, you look at like, Oh, well, you see all your friends and you see your buddies going to these division one schools. And I agree. You got to have a little self analysis to like, look, take a step back and, you know, kind of think about a little bit and maybe I should have done that a little bit more when I was there, but 
there's a lot going on. It's a big prime time school as, as prep school as Cushing is. You kind of see all your teammates doing it. You're like, oh, I think I need to do that. And maybe mm-hmm. that wasn't the right decision for me. Is it true when you were at Curry, you wore number 33 because of me? No big deal. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> uh, but, you know, after your playing career and, and, you know, obviously working and we had a lot of fun in the summer, a lot of laughs and yeah. things like doing camps. But, you know, you, you started coaching at Curry College, um, yeah. you know, where you graduated from. Like, talk about getting into it and coaching and, like, what a different experience it was from, you know, being the guy on the ice to now the guy behind the bench. Yeah, it's, it's, it's a huge adjustment that I don't think everyone realizes when you're done playing. You, you don't just jump on the bench and – feel like you have all the answers like the game happens so fast remember my first game at curry i was coaching and i'm like i don't even know i can't even see like the neutral zone four check the four like i just see a bunch of jerseys out there skating around like it's hard to kind of process it all and then each game you kind of coach the game slows down a little bit and you kind of see it a little bit kind of develop a little bit more but um yeah i mean i kind of think i grinded a little bit through that you know it was only one year but you know i remember getting the call from south carolina to go down there i was scraping mold out of the stalls at the Ewan rink at the curry locker room like no joke like it was august 25th and we just had a huge heat wave and there was mold everywhere and the coach was like hey you gotta go um clean the stalls and i'm like you kidding me <laughs> i was down there by myself like the whole rink is closed i mean the ice was in yet and i'm scraping mold off the stalls so you know you it just you know part of the grind and starting in, in, with you at, at, at the hockey schools and being a counselor and know babysitting the kids at lunch just part of who you develop into a little bit it was all part of my story i think yeah can you talk to us about you know going down to south carolina and that first opportunity to to coach at the pro ranks yeah it was um obviously going down there same thing similar you know i get on the bench and things are going 100 miles an hour and you know i worked for spencer carberry for three years was you know the assistant with the leafs right now and um that's kind of where where I molded as a, as a coach the most, you know, similar to division three in the East coast league, you wear a lot of different hats. Um, you're doing a lot of different things. I'm, you know, planning the travel, you're planning the buses, you know, you're booking the flights. Um, you know, it's just, there's a lot of behind the scenes work that goes on that you don't just show up and the players don't just show up. You got to recruit the players. You know, that, that, that league is, is hard league to coach in because it's 365, seven days a week, all year, all year long, you got to recruit. You got to know every single player in college, junior leagues. You know the guys that don't get NHL deals. So you have to kind of have a grasp on every player that's, you know, around in North America and and build your team. So those three years were as an assistant coach were huge for me. Kind of molded me and I wanted to be a coach and learning from from Carbs and and how he did things. And um, then he moved on to go to the OHL and I got the head position. And, you know, I was young, like youngest coach in the league. You know, I know I'm the youngest coach in the American League still, but you know, I think it, 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 it made. I had a lot of passion for it, so it was something that you know, when I got the job, you know, a week later I was getting married, and I remember having the press conference, and everyone's in town, and I had to go down to the office and start recruiting some players. And you know, my wife's like, "Hey, let's go. Everyone's here. They're going out." And I'm like. Hey, I gotta get. We get. There's no players, like, because you're the general <laughs> manager too. Like, so it's a really hard league to coach in. It, it's, um, but you learn a ton. You learn so much. You learn how to be a GM. You learn how to negotiate with with players for contracts. You know, like I said, you're booking the the flights. You're the video coach too. Like, you're you're breaking down the game. You know, that was that was huge for me. You know, now we have a video coach in the American League. It, it, your job gets a little bit easier as you kind of go up the ranks. So. 
Um, that league is, is challenging, but I feel like, you know, you see the guy like Jared Bednar who coached there before me, you know, kind of molds you who you, who you are as a coach because you, you tested so much um, and, and you, you're used to the grind. So when you get to the NHL, the American League, you're kind of used to that, you know, the grind of the travel, the grind of, you know, what goes on day to day. So that th those five years in South Carolina were the most important five years in my career to date just because it's um, I learned so much. Um, from, you know, from carbs, from Robbie Kincannon, who was the president there. He was a great guy, Dorchester guy. Cuckoo. Um, yeah. I was going to, I was going to actually, you, while you were talking about, it, I was going to, you know, kind of cut you off. And can you just talk about yeah. the influence of Robbie Kincannon, who's obviously just a, a legendary personality? I, I can't wait to, we got to get him on the show here. Because, yeah. I mean, He'd be great. I'm sure, I'm sure 90% of his stories he can't tell uh, <laughs> yeah. on, on this show. Um, and and you know being the family man that he family man yeah. that he is now, oh, yeah. uh, but it just an unbelievable infectious personality. You know, cuckoo can can and just an absolute legend. So can you talk about kind of working with him? He was the you know in his role with the South Carolina Stingrays and everything. Yeah, he, he's the mayor down there, man. He's um, he's got so much passion for that organization too, and you know he's a guy that wants to win. He's intense. Um, he'll challenge you, which 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 I needed as a coach and which all the coaches need going in there. And, um, you know, it's funny. I sent an email to him when I was sitting at my desk in Curry and he called me within, you know, three minutes and, uh, you know, we kind of hit it off and we still talk every day. You know, he, he's just a great man that, you know, cares about you as a person, wants to develop you as a coach and move you on. And, um, you get down there, he knows everyone. You need a plumber, he'll, he'll get you a plumber. You need someone to fix your car, you need a bike. Like the guy knows everyone, and, and he's been down there for, you know, 28, 30 years. Um, oh, yeah, and he's got the stories. I wish I could tell some because they're <laughs> absolutely like I didn't really know him. You know, I knew of him, but then you get down there and you start meeting because a lot of alumni that live down there and they start telling stories about kooks, and it's just like they're, uh, you can't even make some of it up. It's hilarious. <laughs> Yeah, for some of you adults that listen to the show, look up. Uh, I think it's called it's a magazine. Yeah, yeah, Boston Magazine. It was like what you know what it means to be a Boston masshole or something. Yeah, uh, it, it, it. Billy Baker wrote it. Jackie Baker's brother, and it is absolute. Like from the from the opening picture of him, he's got like a scally cap on, Celtics uh, zip up, and like a big, I think a cigar in his mouth or something. It just like it, you, you're locked in for the next oh, yeah. 20 minutes reading it. He's got it framed in his office. And I think I've read it like 10 times <laughs> just cause it's like, oh, it's hilarious. Yeah. I read it recently. Uh, I was like talking about him with somebody and, and, and I was just, you know, it'd probably been 10 years and I was crying yeah. laughing the whole time. Oh, Unbelievable. Star. So you, you end up moving on to Charlotte. Oh, yeah. Uh, now as yes. far as, yeah. You had a good team down there, um, you know, at, at different times. And yeah. as far as, like, the next level up, could you talk to us about, you know, your approach as a coach? Does it change? You know, is there a little bit more accountability, you know, from, from level to level? Yeah, I think, um, you know, like, it's funny. You watch the NHL. Like, we make – our guys make the same mistakes the NHL guys make. The AHL guys make the same mistakes the East Coast League guys make. And, and all the way down the line. So, you know, I think the, you know, the, the level, the guys are a little bit closer to the NHL so they can grasp that a little bit more, um, you know, so there's certain things in their game that need to be corrected to get them to the NHL. So I think, 
you know, the, the, it's a weird dynamic in a way because you have the American League where you have your prospects that are like really hungry and, and, and want to get there. You have your older guys that are just kind of, you know, have been through it, played some games in the NHL. Then you have the guys that are kind of reinvent them. Every guy's in a different kind of scenario um, of where they are in their career. And I, and I think you have to approach it the right way with them and, and be honest with them and, you know, try to understand where they're coming from and, and communicate that with them a little bit. But, you know, I think the American League um, is there's not like a huge difference between the East Coast League and the American League, really. I mean, again, they're close to the NHL, but it's not like, you know, everyone today, this generation, they want to they want to learn. They want to get better. Um, they they want to understand what, what they need to do to get to the next level. And um, some of them are taught differently, you know, so I think you got to teach them a, a different ways. Some guys want to watch the videos. Some guys want to do the on ice instruction. So, um you know, I don't think there's a huge difference. I think the difference is that there's just a little bit closer to that, you know, the NHL and getting there is a little bit quicker. We're going to take a quick break from our interview. The Shift Group. Is your company looking to hire driven, competitive former athletes? Are you a former college or pro athlete in any sport and trying to figure out what's next? Consider a meaningful career in technology sales and let the Shift Group guide you every step of the way. The Shift Group is turning athletes into sales professionals. Reach out to us at www.shiftgroup.io or email them directly at jr at shiftgroup.io. TSR Hockey will uh, also be joining us for the Street Hockey Tournament August 6th and uh, providing us with some sick, swaggy T-shirts. So we're psyched that they're coming down. Uh, Make sure you check out tsrhockey.com, the TSR team and corporate sales department can outfit your team with the top brands in sports apparel ensure that your team looks the best next season uh, by hitting up those guys at tsr uh, now let's get back to the interview with ryan wasofsky now what challenges do you find like being a guy that didn't play in the nhl right like do, do you yeah. find it challenging to communicate with guys or or you know what uh, i guess like it is is do you, do you, you know is there challenges in, in, in coaching and, you know, do you ever find that guys look at you and be like, well, what do you know? You never played at that level, right? Like, you yeah. know what I'm trying to say? Yeah. Honestly, I haven't had any issues, you know, yeah. even like let's, this past year was the first year I didn't have a guy older than me, you know, and, and it's never been an issue, never came up. You know, it's funny. I, I got the assistant job in, in Charlotte and we had Jake Bean who was a first round pick and, you know, I'm coming in and the head coach is Mike Vellucci is like, hey, this guy's a pain, he's a pain in the neck. He's going to be hard to coach. And, you know, Jake Bean and I still are really close today. Like he ended up getting traded to Columbus, you know, a good year this year. And uh, we talk a lot and, and and it's, he didn't, he never once been like, hey, where did you play? I mean, he might have went on hockey DB and looked me up, but never once did we talk about my career or, you know, you know, I, hey, you didn't play in the NHL. What do you know? He was he wanted to learn. He wanted to get better. I, I, you know, it was all about that communication and how I treated him. I knew like if I came at him in the rookie tournament up in Traverse city, the first game and was like, Hey, you should do this, this, and this, he's going to, he's not going to like understand where I'm coming from. Like it, it took that relationship took a long time to develop. Um, not like years, but like it took some weeks to him to understand and trust me and um, you know, get him to believe in himself a little bit more than he probably should have. And just kind of, get to know him as a person before he was a player. I think that was the most important part of that, you know, example of it where he could have been like, Hey, what does this guy know? But, you know, I haven't really had that at all come up, you know, cause I think at the end of the guy, at the end of the day, these guys know 
I'm here to help them. Like, what do you think I'm going to try to screw you over and not get you to the NHL? My job is to help you get to the NHL. It looks as, makes us both look good. So um, I just feel like the generation that we have common, if you show them that you care, you show them that, you know, you show them a little love and they understand that you're, you know, you want to make them better. Um, they're usually all ears, you know, you have, you have your one-offs, but um, th these guys that are coming up are, are really, really hungry to, to get to the next level. Great answer. As far as uh, playoff, experience yeah does it ramp up even as a coach because oh, yeah. you know as a player there's just that little uptick you know yeah. everyone, you know mistakes are magnified and you're almost getting everyone's best shift but some you know mistakes can be made you have to capitalize but do you game plan differently or just a little bit uptick and just attention to detail yeah you know this year we did a you know we we focus on three details that we could exploit in teams. And, and we looked at, you, you know, the analytic part of it. We looked at the video part of it and we try to match it up. So, you know, perfect example is we thought Stockton would struggle with our four check. Um, we, we saw it with their analytics and we saw it through the video. Um, so that was, you know, one key that we focused on in that series. Now we went on to Springfield and, and the three keys were completely different. You know, one was our awareness without the puck and our D zone coverage. Let's be really good defensively because we think if we can frustrate them and James Neal and these high offensive guys, you know, we can go capitalize and play some offense. So we kind of broke down each series into three keys um, where we could exploit teams. And, and I thought that was huge for us. You get into these, you know, I'm not big on those huge playoff packets that coaches do. I mean, especially in the American League, we play these teams 12 times, you know, in, in the regular season. And, and, you know, our guy, you know, Josh Levo doesn't really care, you know, what Mackenzie McGeckern's doing. No offense. Like, he knows him. Like, he, he's played against him. He played junior. Like, I don't need to describe him as a player. Now, do we go through their lineup for sure? But we focus on us and what we need to do. Um, and those three keys of, you know, we need to dial in to make sure we can win. And, and there's – you know, we had a 12-1 rule. Whether we won or lost, we turned the page. Um, you know, as a coach, it's a little bit different. Like, you you roll with – there's a lot of emotions that go into it. There's a lot of, you know, what ifs. And, I mean, we were up 3 nothing in Stockton, and we thought we were going to sweep them. And then we lose we lose game four in overtime. We lose game five in overtime. You're like, oh, here we go. We're going back home 3-2. What happened? <laughs> so, as coaches, you're like, you know, this is this, – this could get ugly. This could go to game seven. That's not what you want. So – that was a good experience for myself. I know I've been through it, a, a, you know, quite a bit here in my short career, but it never gets old. Those emotions and those feelings that you go through, and you guys, you've been there as players. Like, it, it's a roller coaster. That's what the playoffs. So that's what makes it so great and so fun. Is it is that part of that roller coaster that you go on? Now, as far as you're mentioning about being a leader, you know, uh, when you're playing, you're a little bit more vocal and fiery. What's your demeanor like behind the bench? Yeah, you know, I'm still pretty fiery and pretty vocal. And, you know, it's, it's funny. I, I got a funny story. So that Andrew Potterowski that UNH played at UNH, went up, he was yeah. our best player, our captain. You know, we're, we're going – we're like – we've already clinched first place, you know, best team in the league. We've got first – got home ice the whole playoffs. And it's like game like 74. We have three games left. We're playing Milwaukee, and I was just all over these refs. And, I, and I'm, I don't know why. I was just fired up that game. I ended up, I think, getting teed up, and we get we lost. I think in overtime or something like that. And, we're, and then we have a team dinner, or dinner after, and there's like a buffet, and I'm going through the dinner. And Potsy's like, "Hey, Wars, like, you just gotta like just chill out a couple times." And I was still hot, and I'm like, "If you don't like it, go play somewhere else." So we we're getting into it, all the players are there, <laughs> and we ended up laughing about it. But it was just a little, 
like I'm a, I'm a heat, I'm a passionate guy. I, um, you know, wear the heart on my sleeve and, um, I want to let you know what I, what I see. And, and it, there's, it's a learning experience for me too, of, you know, listen, I don't know all the answers. I don't have, you know, I'm not this perfect coach. I'm going to make mistakes too. And I can admit when I make mistakes, but that was just a small little glimpse of, you know, I get a little fired up and, you know, I have my players back, something that I learned from coach Jacobs, you know, like he had our backs at Cushing, man. Like that's what something I loved about him is he always had our backs. I remember, you know, got in trouble in statistics class and I might've been wrong, but he still had my side and I'll never forget that. And that's something I have my players. Um, I think that's really important because, you know, at the end of the day, it's uh, some of these old school coaches. It's like, this is my way of the highway. It's me versus you. It, I mean, we're all in this together. Like, I have a rule that anytime I go into the room and say, you guys, it's a hundred all fine. Like last time I checked, I'm part of the team too, you know, and that's like an experience. I learned that my coach, my first coach at Sacred Heart, he said that it used to drive me nuts. Like, like, what are you not on the team? Like, what are you not any, any say in this and how we do things? So, um, no, I think that's important to show that, you know, you're part of the team and we all want to, you know, pull the rope the right way and kind of be a little bit vulnerable at times, you know, own up when you have mistakes and show mistakes, but that's just a small little, Ian Potts, he got into it, and we we ended up smoothing it over the next day. But it's a running joke because I think he, we you give away like the helmet at the end of the game, and he's like, I think he won it like after like game four or something like that, in, like the conference finals, and he's like, no matter what Wars says, I still want to keep playing here. Or something. Like that. <laughs> <laughs> I thought um, you were gonna get a shoe checked going through the buffet line. Oh no, we got into it. Like there's like all the stick kids are like behind me, and they're like these. 12 year old kids are like, what the <laughs> hell is going on right now? <laughs> uh, that was Sofsky, like hot tempo behind the bench. I think that definitely runs in the family because oh, I coach against sure. your brother Adam uh, quite a he's bit. He's worse than me. I, he oh, came to he's a cycle. It's he unbelievable. Came to he's like, come on the bench. I came on the bench. End of the second period, he told the goalie, he's got like, he's got to wake up and start making some more saves. I'm like, you just told, I like, I haven't talked about <laughs> goalie in a you just tell that to an 11 year old? Yeah. Like, you got to stop more pucks. Like, you couldn't play more of a mental game with that. <laughs> Unbelievable. Yeah. He, he, uh, he gets fired up. I love, uh, you know, we, we, we do the, I'm pretty like, you know, like anything, same thing uh, on the bench. We all get a little yeah. emotional, right? But I try to just kind of, you know, stay level headed as much as I possibly can. And I'll, I'll once in a while just hear like a big, like, you know, get off! Or like scream! I just and I looked. I I just like glance over at Adam, give him a little stare, and he's just like shaking his head, and he's you know got like the the coaching board fired down on the on the on oh the ground. God. I'm like, oh, this is unbelievable. Well, it definitely wow. runs in the family. I played with Jared in men's league, and he was ready to go anytime that someone looked at him sideways. And he's five five. Yeah, so great. <laughs> yeah. It's so fun. He's a good little player, and uh, you know he he wasn't afraid to. You mix it up a little bit. Yeah. Well, I think one of the common themes you, you you've talked about though is the communication piece. Like, you know, you communication communicating with your your players at the professional level. Like, is that just you know, is it when you get to that level? Is it individual meetings or is it like team meetings? Like, how do you how do you treat I guess the the, the team and each player on it? Yeah, I, I think that word like communication like today is like the big one, right? Like everyone throws it around like communication with the players and and, and and they're right like it's huge um you know I, I communicate like I don't sit in my office all day like I'm sure some coaches the older school coaches you don't even like watch you play like might have not even seen the head coach until game time when he was coming to talk like I'm in the room like I'm not sitting there posting up but like you know I'll grab guys you know I try to you know talk to guys a lot of times not even about hockey you know 
know, we had Richard Ponick this year who, you know, was making some money and, and probably wasn't happy to be in the American League. So, you know, a lot of that him and I's conversation was like, hey, how's your family doing back in Slovakia, your kids? Is your little guy playing hockey? And then, you know, you kind of gain that trust. And the guy's like, all right, this guy's actually a real human being, not just like a soldier telling me what to do, like a chief soldier telling me what to do. So, um, yeah, like, I, I think it's I think it's the biggest part of the game right now is communicating with the players and, and let them know what your expectations are. Be honest with them. You know, I try to make sure when a guy leaves a meeting with me one on one, it's really clear what, what I was talking about, whether that's a video meeting, whether it's just one on one about his game, whether it's about his practice habits, um, when he leaves that meeting to understand, you know, what I'm talking about. Usually I'll ask him and he may say, no, I'm kind of confused. Like, all right, let's figure this out. So there's no clouds, you know, you know, with the message. And you know, we've all left meetings with coaches, and, you know, like, what did he just talk about? I have no, I have no clue what he's talking about. Like, yeah, I'm so, more confused than, than when I came yeah, into this meeting. The guy, we, the guy put me in a bottle. Like, I'm like, what are you talking about? So I just try to make that a real big part of, you know, what I do is making sure when they leave meetings, um, they understand what I'm talking about. And, and it's usually pretty black and white. And, you know, I, I let them speak. Let's hear what you think you are as a player. Let's hear what you think you're seeing. You know, there's tons of instances, like examples of that throughout each year that I go through of players that they think they see it one way. I see it another way. And, you know, it's not my way or the highway. Let's, all right, let's, how do we get to the point where you think you are? And this is where I'm seeing it. And, you know, this is the video that maybe backs it a little bit. So, um, you know, I think it is a big part of the game. I think big part of the communication is getting to know them as people first and then as hockey players second. That's a great point. Well, could we get into this year um, in particular? You know, 50 wins in the regular season is a real uh, accomplishment. It's like, you know, as far as a coach and even, you know, as a player, you know, the consistency over a long season. So there's, you know, the ups and downs like we were yeah. talking about and, you know, the ebbs and flows of the schedule and the travel. Uh, how did you manage that? And, you know, like the consistent message, you know, when to back off, you know, when to push. Did you yeah. have like a, a consistent game plan, like kind of set out before like the season or do you just kind of play it by ear and see how the, the guys are responding and, you know, t- uh, certain t- times of the year? Yeah, I think you're exactly right. Like, I don't have a, the whole schedule mapped out with days off, and I'm not a big believer in that. Like, I mean, you have to give the guys a day off, but, you know, you have to know when to push them. You have to know when to come off. You have to know when maybe today is a skilled day. Maybe today let's have some fun. Um, you know, I'm a competitive guy. I think, you know, we, we do a, a reward token system, and it's, you know, they, they, they get tokens for wins, and they can use these tokens um, throughout the year to whether it's a day off or an optional or a gym day or a team dinner. Um, so we did that. We've done that. I've done that since South Carolina. And I, I think it's awesome. Like, you know, like you get the guys talking about, Hey, we get seven tokens, you know, and then you win 12. We like, we won 12 in a row. They ended up having like 15 tokens and they're like, wanted to go to Cabo. And I'm like, Hey, like you can't go to like, <laughs> you can't use these on like a six days off. Like you have, you can't just, there's some <laughs> rules that have to be in place, but <laughs> But like it just gets them in, you know. You give them an inch, though, they're gonna take a mile. Oh my god! Like we, so we were going in the finals. One of them asked, if we could use it for a private jet, <laughs> like because we had because we had got fifty wins. We had a lot of tokens, and we break it into segments throughout the year. So we just got to focus, you know, kind of day by day of what we want to do, and then you know we break it up into six game segments. But um, I, I think that's a big part of coaching too. Is like when you know having that feel when you can push them, when you can kind of come off. 
I think the leadership group is a big part of that. Like you got to have a good communication with your group of leaders. You know, you meet with them once a week to, hey, do you like practice? Did you not like, did you, like, what are your thoughts? You know, we're going to work on a power play today. Hey, today I'm giving you guys a heads up. We're going to get after it pretty hard. So, you know, some one-on-ones. We're going to do some skates at the end. So now they know going into it that they're like, okay, he, he's he's being honest. This is what we're doing. I, and usually the older guys, they know it. Like, man, we weren't good the other night. We know it's coming with a hard practice today, you know? So those guys are addition, uh, kind of an addition to the coaching staff that I rely on a lot. And, um, you know, I, I try to push push our guys as hard as we can. And, you know, I challenge them to be the best they've ever been in their entire life, no matter what coach or scout thinks they're going to supposed to be you know, let's prove them wrong. Like there's great athletes, not just in hockey that have, you know, been labeled as something, you know, Tom Brady was labeled as a, probably a backup quarterback, maybe a guy that we cut and let's push the envelope a little bit. And, um, you know, I, I, I think we look back, you know, this year, you know, we, we got off to a good start and, and I think we were kind of in that phase of what type of team were we going to be. And I remember challenging them in, in Grand Rapids of, you know, I, I think you have to be ultra competitive in, in, in any pro sport right now. I, I think you have to have the mindset that you're, um, you hate to lose more than you love to win. And, you know, I challenged them after the second period, we were down 3-0 to see what type of competitors we have in the room. And uh, we ended up coming back and I think winning like 4-3 in regulation. And it was just kind of a changing turning point in our season just because we, we needed to see some more competitiveness in our group. Like, not just okay, uh, Tuesday in Grand Rapids, we're okay just losing the game. We'll, we'll, we'll kind of circle back on wet Friday against, you know, Milwaukee. Like that's not our mindset. That's not going to be our mindset. And we, we try to challenge them to have a different mindset going game by game and, and just take it one game at a time. And I know it sounds super cliche, but, um, you know, our guys would mock me all the time because I'm just focused on today. Let, let's just be where our feet are in today. Let's try to get better. That's a practice. That's a skill day. If that's a game against Milwaukee, you know, let's put our best effort forward and see where the chips lie at the end of it. I think that's uh, awesome stuff. And, and you know, you, you just touched on it quickly with, like, how often at the pro level are you focusing on, like, skill development type days, right? And, you know, I mean, like yeah. you said, kind of cliche, like, hey, everybody's got to get better every day. But, like, you know, how often are, you know, team practices kind of focused on the individual skill basis because i think it's you know important for you know kids that listen to to understand that that work still needs to go on even though you're playing oh, yeah. you know, one notch below the the nhl yeah like like based on our schedule too if we don't play until the weekend i mean we map it out pretty good like we may have a day and we have two sheets at our practice rink where we'll have you know forwards down on one sheet you know split the forwards into two groups just because when you think about it, like how many reps are you getting in a 45 minute practice? Like right. if you're doing a breakout drill and you're working on your wall play as a winger, you're probably getting what, two, three reps, four reps max. So a lot of times, you know, I mean, each, each player individually has a plan what we want to work on um, two, three things that they need to work on throughout the season or throughout the first half of the season. And, you know, during practice, you're just not getting the reps. So we, we, we break off into groups, you know, four D splits, you know, with our D on one side and the forwards on the other, and then we'll, we'll flip flop them. And um, just so you can get more reps with a lot of small groups, um, you know, three, four guys, and they'll just rip through the reps, you know, get 10, 15, like that, that, that goes a long way of, of developing a certain skill. It helps you break down that skill. Um, and then with no, practice, like a lot of times we'll do like, you know, Jamison Reese, one of our prospects like struggles with defensive coverage. And like, I'll do a specific team drill just for him. And, 
you know, our whole, like we share our practice plans with Rod and, and Carolina and, and he sees what we're doing. We see what they're doing. So there's a good communication between the whole organization and what guys need. But I think that's something that we've incorporated the last couple of years of doing, you know, a lot of hockey sense drills within the team for specific players. And sometimes they don't even know it, you know, and then at some point throughout the season, you're like, Hey, Risa, you know, that drills for you, man. Like, you're like, that's why yeah and that's what you go every other shift doing it and he's like oh yeah that makes sense and it's so like there's different ways to kind of develop and i i do think the skill develop part of it is huge whether that's before practice after practice we make it a big influence in our in our scheduling for sure are you and rod the bod sharing workout plans too are you guys communicating on those pieces no what, what you're doing and what he's my doing? first training camp there i got on the bike next to him like seven that was like seven in the morning it's going for like a 30 minute stroll and he had already been weight vest. He'd already worked out. He gets on the bike. I looked over. He was at like 28 minutes. So I'm like, all right, he'll get off at 45. Sergey Samsonov, who's our forward development coach, gets on next to me. And he's like, hey, he's not getting off. And I'm like, what do you mean? So I get done with 30 minutes. And I guess he won't get off a bike until everyone else is off it. <laughs> so if I stayed on for two hours, he would have went like three hours. Like As soon as you walked in, I would have been like, hey, you need my bike? I'll get up. <laughs> I've been on it but 28 yeah. minutes. He's he's exactly what you you guys see. Like he's an unbelievable human being. Like great guy. You know, I, I, we similar like in ways we coach and the way we see the game. I think that's why it's worked out so well and have our relationship. But um, yeah, he's Rod the Bot is no joke. Like you walk in there at six in the morning for training camp. Like he's already done his workout or he's just finishing up at the weight fest, and it's just like just put your head down, and keep walking. He's in the zone. You don't bother. You go over there and just start stretching out the ham. He's like, yeah. <laughs> you got the yeah, foam. Right day today. I, I hit it hard yesterday. The foam roller, you know. Yeah. Oh, yeah. A cup of coffee. <laughs> <laughs> Act oh, like I got a phone call and walk away. Yeah. <laughs> exactly. Oh, shit, my wife's calling again. See what's up with the kids. <laughs> so could you talk to us about the uh, the stretch run there um, into the call the cup playoffs and uh, – you know, just like some of the, you know, things that really stuck out to you that, you know, gave you the confidence in the group to, yeah, you know, know something's going to be pretty special. You had something special coming in the playoffs and, you know, maybe just a couple of examples and, you know, uh, and talk to us right. about the, the final yeah. final game. Yeah, it was fun. Um, you know, it's funny. Game one, I was not going to go all the way back, but game one against Rockford, you know, I thought we played pretty well, and that's when I'm like, you don't know in the American League what type of team you're going to get, right? Like, there's a lot of questions, who makes the team, you know, who gets sent down on waivers and all the, all the things that happen with injuries and all that. So, you know, game one, I'm like, man, we actually got a pretty good team, but we just don't work. We need to work a little bit harder. We need to compete a little bit harder. We need to be a little bit more check a little bit harder, be a little bit more physical. You know, so we, we bagged them pretty good three days in a row and, like, again, kind of change our mindset of a team, who we are. We're a little bit blue-collar. We had some skill. Um, you know, and then we get on, on a great, some great runs throughout the regular season, set us up for, you know, a good run in the playoffs. And, um, I thought, you know, or we start with Rockford, you know, team that kind of had our number all year. So you're like, Ooh, this could be, we don't want to be the team that's, you know, has the best regular season and then we're done. So, um, you know, our, our leadership group with Podorowski, Nason, Josh Levo, uh, Max Lajoie, like kind of set the tone on how we needed to play. And, and they just, those guys are NHL guys. Like when the first game of the playoffs, I mean, they just, they were a whole nother level. Like we, I think we, we shot Rockford the first period, like 22 to two. 
and it was just like an it was i just sat back and kind of watched it now we you know didn't it was you know the score wasn't out of hand but like i think so you you go through it and, you, and these guys step it up to another level and then so now you're like all right we've we found that other level we can play at because that's what we're going to need going down um through the playoffs so and then you, you go you know round two we beat milwaukee hadn't really been tested much and then we play stockton who was probably the best team we played all year um matched up really good against us older guys young guys prospects really good goalie you know go out to California we're up we, we win game three we're up three nothing everything's great and you know we talked about it before the playoffs that you know things are going to happen like something's bad's going to happen bad call bad you know goal off a stanchion um someone's going to get hurt like something bad's going to happen and how do we respond is going to be the is going to be the biggest test um you know and, and we we're up three nothing we go game four you know we're in control I think we have the lead they score with you know 20 seconds left and they went in overtime. So there's our test. Like, okay, we got it. Here we go. We're, we're, we're tested. You know, and it's, again, I meet with the leadership group. You know, I think I met with um, a couple of them, just how's the mindset of the group, you know, because you, you worry that they, they sense we haven't been through this. We haven't really been tested. Um, we, we lose game five in Stockton again. And I remember meeting with the guys in the airport, um, the leadership group, and, and Potterowski, I think, spoke up. He was our captain and said, hey, we got it. We're going to be good. We're fine. He had that quiet, calm confidence about himself. Um, kind of probably helped myself kind of calm down a little bit because, you know, you get hot and you're like, man, like we can't put this to game seven at home. Like that's just the, the worst case scenario. And and then we, we do, again, same thing like we did against Rockford in game one. We stepped it up to a whole nother level um, in game six and one. And then we go to Springfield and uh, Springfield comes to us. We lose game one in overtime. Um and we and we didn't play that good. That was part of our worst game of the playoffs, and we took them to overtime. We were down four two in the third. So you, you have those like you, you, when you really peel the onion back a little bit, you're like, all right, that game wasn't as bad as it looked. You know, we didn't play that good. And we were up four two in the third. So you know, you talk to the, them a, a few guys again. You know, like you, you go over the video, and there's a few things we did differently and made some adjustments. Um, and again, and, and it's just like that leadership group that has that. That, that they've had this, you know, calm confidence about themselves. Like, hey, we're fine. We're, we're going to we'll be ready to go. And we, we spank in game two. We go out to Springfield and, you know, we went three straight and play our three best games of the season. Just like, you know, you have panic on the bench talking. He's, you know, want to call the cop. Levo's want to call the cop. Nason's got experience. Um, you know, our goaltending was great. Everything kind of aligned. We were healthy. You know, we would get leads and then we would just we wouldn't give teams an inch. We would get we didn't give Springfield an inch. You know, I don't think they had more than, you know, 12 scoring chances in, in all those three games, you know, because, you know, it, it just can, everything's contagious. We say this in the beginning of the year, positive and negative. If you're negative on the bench, it's going to be contagious up and down the bench. If you're positive on the bench, it's going to be contagious up and down the bench. So, you know, when a guy like Panic is out there and he's like, just put it deep, like we've got four minutes left in the period. The ice is crap. Put it put it deep. Go four check him like. When he's saying that, like Jamison Reese, who's 21 years old, what is he thinking when he jumps the boards? You know, so those experiences that those young kids just witnessed, you know, are a huge part of their development because they're going to be in those situations, hopefully in the NHL next. And hopefully, they, you know, Jack Drury, another example, he'll be up next year in Carolina. Like, I mean, he, he can't, no one can take that experience. He just got away. Like, you know, that contagious, you know, communication on the bench of, of guys buying in and doing it for each other um, is really special because it just doesn't, you don't know when you're going to be there again. You know, so uh, it was a great experience for, for everyone involved. The Drury family's got a decent hockey resume. Oh, my God. 
that, that kid's the best, man. Absolute competitor, winner, does it all, like puts his face in front of slap shot. Like can't say enough. He's going to be a stud. He's going to be a really good player in the NHL. Well, I was going to ask you about, you know, you as a coach, like what is it you, you look for in a, in a player? Yeah, I think um, obviously we talked about a little bit of competitiveness. I think that's huge right now. And, um, you know, a guy that's coachable. I, I think if you aren't coachable, if you can't take constructive criticism, you're not going to go very far in this game. It's just um, that's what coaching is. You're going to you're going to hear some things you don't want to hear, um, but that's what's going to take you to get to the next level and get better and become a better player. So, um, you know, uh, for us and the way we play, you got to be able to skate. You got to be able to have a good motor and be well conditioned to play. Um, you know, hard every shift. You can't be that guy that takes shifts off in our system. It's just, um, you know, that you'll stick out like a sore thumb. So obviously the, the be able to skate, the competitiveness, um, being coachable is, is a huge part of it, um, you know, and, and just uh, being a good teammate. I think that's, you know, pe- people forget, like, you have to be a good teammate. At the end of the day, it's like you guys all play with guys. The first question you ask when a guy's retired is, oh, what type of guy was he, a good guy? Like you don't ask what type of player he was. Like, hey, was 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 Mono a good guy? It's it's honestly like every time you talk to a guy, was he a good guy? You know, it's the it's the first thing someone asks you when you're done playing or when you're like even right now we're we're going through free agency and signing players. It's the first question I ask: Is he a good guy? Like, there's no offense. Like, I have no time to to babysit. I have no time to reconstruct the guy's character because usually once they show their spots, they ain't changing. So I just think that's a huge part of of you know when you look back, you don't want to be the guy like, Oh yeah, he was average. You know, like it's not that hard to be a good teammate and, and be a good guy. Now I know like you're not going to have the best day every day of the, of the week, but you know, show up to work and, and put the, like I can live with mistakes, you know, and maybe turnovers and all that. I can, but like, do you actually care? Like, do you, does it actually affect you? Like your game? Does it, does it affect you? Cause it's affecting everyone else. And do you care? Like you, do you track back? Do you back check? Or are you just kind of like, Oh, I turn over the back and I, like half ass or back. Yeah, go for the change. Hey, hey. I- yeah, like the little <laughs> details, the little things are, 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 that's what some, I feel like, you know, scouts and you talk to them, like they watch the body language. They want, you know, like it's all part of, you know, no one's going to stand for that stuff at the next level. And I think that's uh, some great points that you made there. I love the contagious attitude, whether it be positive or negative. Um, yeah. You know, everyone pulling in the right direction, staying positive. And then that, you know, good guy character thing. It's like very simple. And, you know, the test is, you know, it's easy to be a good teammate when things are going well. But yeah. when things aren't going well, you have to be able to, you know, dig deep and, and be a positive, you know, impact, even though things aren't going well for you or, you know, the team in general. So those are great points. And, you know, as a scout, the body language is a huge thing. And the reaction to not getting the puck or, making mistake and how you re- react is one of the biggest things that I looked at. Yeah. No, you're spot on. Like, and that's, I mean, especially in our organization with Rod, like there's no chance you stand in for any of that stuff. You know, like right. you'll like, that's what these guys own. Like you, you go up, when you go up, you, you, your first game, like you go up, you play your eight minutes, especially as, at least as a forward, you're playing eight minutes. Like he's watched you those, like, what are you doing to impact the hockey game? Like in those eight minutes, if, if you had one NHL game, I tell our guys, like, if you have one NHL game, how do you impact the game in eight minutes? Okay, does that mean you're running some guy from – like, you got to do something to get yourself noticed. <laughs> now, you don't want to go the other side of it and be, like, bad body language, sulking on the bench. Like, man, you'll be buried. 
because right. like I just like we're having our exit meetings right now with players. First and last. Yeah, like because every year there's a new draft and there's more prospects that come. So you're gonna get eventually you're gonna get passed. It's just the nature of the the nature of the business, really. So you have to understand where you are and and, and make sure you're putting you know positive vibes in the whole organization because two three little things right there, especially here, it's you're buried. Yeah, well, you had the opportunity to, you know, which is, I think this is an interesting dynamic, but coaching your younger brother uh, yeah. in the 2020-21 season with uh, Chicago. What was that experience like? It was good. It was, it was, um, he was an older guy, obviously, I think it was our, one of our oldest guys. So it was pretty professional. Um, and with COVID, like we had no fans. So, you know, it, we made it work. It, it yeah, was tough. Um, yeah, that's right. I didn't even think of the COVID. You know, so. But we made it, it was good. Like he, he was really good. We kept the pro. Like you would probably never know we were brothers when we were at the rink. Like um, the guys were good about it. You know, I, I think I snapped at him like twice on the bench. Like uh, this is funny. Like we <laughs> make an adjustment in our offensive zone. Like our D were like super wide in the blue line. And I'm like, after the second period, I'm like, hey, D, like um, we, we got to tighten up. Let's get inside the dots. We're getting too wide. Like there's, the wingers are going to pick it off. I remember like clear as day. First shift of the third period, Brandon Peary picks it off down to the breakaway scores. I I went right down there. I'm losing my mind. He did take it, but I, you know, like when I, he was just taking it because I, I could have kept going. <laughs> and uh, I, I was like, I, we just talked about this adjustment we made. You gave up a, a breakaway with tied up, and it was like cold. Like the games didn't really didn't mean much, but I don't know. I think games in our family mean a lot, no matter where we're playing, whether it's <laughs> backyard football game or not. So. He admit to it. He did admit to it. He's like, yeah, I, I think I fell asleep when you're, we were talking. I'm like, well, that's not a good thing. But. <laughs> yeah, I've heard that speech about a thousand times <laughs> yeah. in the backyard. Yeah. Come on, enough. Oh, yeah. oh, uh, that's hilarious. Who cares if we're playing pro hockey at the time? Oh, that's funny. That's funny. So you're going to have uh, the cup at, at the house? Yeah. At, at the parents' house? Yeah, we're going to bring it down to Marshfield. Gets here Saturday morning, so we'll have a little cookout and enjoy it. And move on but uh it was fun it, it's definitely any level i know it's not the stanley cup and 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 whatnot but you know w- what we just did it's a grind like you said we played 94 hockey games including you know all the way back into a rookie tournament down in tampa to finish it in springfield it's a long season a lot goes on a lot of meetings you know a lot of like practices a lot of uh, video meetings and um, one-on-one. So when you win it, you got to enjoy this way you play the game. Right. So, um, you know, it, was it doesn't get old winning championships. No, it doesn't. So back to back. That's awesome. Um, yeah, no, well, Ryan, I mean, I know that, the you know, we were pumping your tires and super excited uh, to see you guys win it. And, and, you know, I, I guess I want to touch on just lastly, like now you're in the process and, and, you know, you're kind of talking to NHL teams, like as in coaching positions, like what's that experience like, uh, you know, kind of before we wrap up here? Yeah, it's, it's been obviously, um, you know, I would never have thought about, you know, being a coach in the NHL like 10 years, if you would asked me when I was at global, but uh, <laughs> you know, it's, it's definitely humbling experience, you know, when we win and you hear whispers of it a little bit and um, of teams are going to be reaching out, you know, after, you know, through the playoffs, you know, being a younger guy and, um, you know, it's, you know, went up to the draft, met with a few teams and, you know, you're kind of, you're just kind of taking it all in and, and experience it all. And, and like, listen, I'm not in a race to get to the NHL. And I think that's, 
as a player too, I think we need to understand not every, we can't be in a race to get there. I'm trying to, um, I want to make the right decision and, and not just say I'm in the NHL to say I'm in the NHL. I want it to be the right fit. I want it to be, this is an assistant coach. I want to learn from the right head coach and be in the right situation. So, um, you know, if it, if it works out great and if it doesn't, like I'm in a great spot in Chicago, I'm young, you know, I'm not in a huge hurry to get there. I think it just, this is a game of, um, you know, being in the moment and being where your feet are. And, um, but I've had a great experience going through processes with, with teams and, and talking to, you know, different general managers and head coaches of, you know, what they're looking for and, and how they th- see things and you know, t- how teams do d- things differently. So, um, again, if it happens, great. If it doesn't, you know, I, I, I'm, I'm, I'm in a good spot in Chicago where it's a great organization to work for. And Carolina has been great with, you know, starts at the top with Rod and, um, you know, and we have a great relationship. So again, it's, it's been a great experience to go through it and, you know, hopefully, you know, down the road it gets there, but I'm just trying to stay focused and, uh, on today and when it happens, it happens. More importantly, um, how's your game for the annual member guest at Thorny Lee? Not good. To go? That's the one thing, you know, going late into the season, now a short summer, and then I had to go to Montreal for the draft to meet with some teams. And my golf game is not good. My brother has been all over me too. He's like playing like four times a week. I'm like, we just had our second kid. It's like <laughs> I, if I tell my wife I'm going golfing, she's going to – Already, I've been gone for the last nine months. It's like <laughs> not happening. We're one on one. We're man on man right now. Oh yeah, it's. Uh, I don't know. Just don't. Three. Yeah, it's a well. Mots has four, so that's like a complete a game game. Game. Yeah, yeah, once you get past man on man, you can have seven. <laughs> <laughs> then they start just just taking care of each other, yeah. you know. Well, hey, you were one of four too, but I know. I don't I, know how my mom did it. Speaking of which, though, I mean, it, it was so cool to just see the pictures on on you know Instagram and everywhere. But just you know, yeah. seeing your wife Caroline and um, you know Cal and your, your newborn, um, yeah. you know Lucy there, and obviously your brothers and your parents. Like you know, just talk about how special that was to win the championship and have your you know your nieces and nephews and yeah. everybody uh, around. It was. I mean, I know from. The, uh, I'm shocked that Buddy Yandel, Buddy and Patty Yandel weren't weren't on the ice celebrating with with the Wasabskis like they usually are. But uh, it was it was cool to watch from a distance. Yeah, for sure. And, and I mean, you couldn't have dreamed it up anymore in in Massachusetts for the finals. And it was awesome to have everyone there. Obviously, my dad is the, the biggest fan there is, and um, you know, he's trying to like take pictures with a cop. He's smoking cigars in the room with the boys. Like he's like one of the boys. So, and then you get like my, my wife and it flew in with Cal and he's on the, like, and he's out there with his cousin skate, like running around on the ice while we're all inside, like drinking out of the cop and smoking. So it was awesome. Like my brothers were there. Dave was there cause he was home for a little bit. So, you know, it's funny when we were up, what was it? Uh, we were one, one going out there. Uh, you, you, who would ever thought we'd went three in a row? Like, that's a hard thing to do on the road. Um, they were sold out games with a hostile like, kind of environment. And, you know, then you went two, you went three. Now you're like, all right, this is a chance. So I'm, my wife's like, hey, I might fly. I'm like, all right. But you don't want to like jinx it and get out of your routine. So, you know, she flew in with Cal. And then, you know, obviously you're like, even th- throughout the game, you're like, all right, now what happens if we lose? Like, <laughs> we got to go back home. You know, it's 3-2 and it's a little hey, bit different Turn situation. the page at 12 right? Exactly. But, no, it was – it was awesome. Just the, the whole celebration after and, you know, the party after was great. And having them there was obviously made a, 
made it really special, man, because, you know, now I can kind of afford to live a little bit, but there was times where I was grinding and, and at Curry being an assistant coach for 10,000 bucks, you know, like it's not a lot of money to live off. Clean, of, so. clean and mold. Yeah. Clean mold off the stalls saying like, what am I, should I go work at M&M? <laughs> <laughs> exactly. But you just got to stick with it. And, you know, I think if you're a good person and try to learn to get better and don't act like, you know, everything, you know, good things happen. Well, that's great stuff. Well, we really appreciate you taking the time, right? Yeah, thanks you know, for having me. This is good, great. Good chatting, and best of luck with the uh, interviewing process moving forward. And we'll be uh, keeping tabs on you. See how everything everything shakes out. Yeah, are we gonna sure. sink. Are we gonna sink the cup down to the bottom of the pool, Mario Lemieux style, or what? We might have to. That thing's wood too, so it should go right down. <laughs> <laughs> awesome. Well, we'll uh, we're looking forward to it, and uh, you know, thanks for joining us. This was a blast, and I think uh, you know so much information for coaches and players that they're gonna be able to take from this interview. So awesome stuff. Thanks, buddy. Yeah, for sure. Thanks for having me, guys. I appreciate right. it. See you, Ray. That interview was brought to you by Franklin Street Hockey, the official ball and street hockey partner of the National Hockey League. Head to franklinsports.com to stock up on goal sticks and training gear for the whole team. Yeah, just grab some of your street hockey gear from franklinsports.com. Dangle on the driveway, you know, some passes uh, with your street hockey neighbor. Like you can, you can do so much with uh, Franklin Sports Apparel. So make sure you check them out at franklinsports.com. By that was a great interview with uh, Ryan. I really enjoyed, um, you know, some of the points that he made. I really liked how attitude is contagious, whether it be negative or positive. Those are like the, those are one of the biggest things because when things are going bad, it can just steamroll and kind of roll downhill going negatively. But vice on the other side, if you're positive and upbeat, you know, things are going to work out and you're going to continue to push in the right direction or pull in the right direction, as he said. And um, that's one thing that. You always want to try to continue to remind yourself as a coach, you know, your message can be, you know, negative if things are going negative, but you spin it positive, have the right players and the right guys pulling in the right direction and, and good things will happen. So that was really good to hear from Ryan. Yeah, no, I, I, I really enjoyed talking to him. And obviously we had the, the, like I said, we had the chance to hang out over the weekend and, you know, just talking to him about the, you know, the, the hockey culture, the locker room culture that that he brings and he brings to the table, I think is so important. And the communication piece, like with with his players and management and, you know, the coaches up top, I thought it was really, really cool to uh, see. And, you know, I, I really think uh, if it's not this year, you know, it'll probably be next year that he'll be behind an NHL uh, bench in some capacity, whether it's a head coach or an assistant coaching uh, job soon enough. And, and it's really just, you know, it's taken hard work. It's taken him, um, you know, literally like he talked about it, making $10,000 cleaning moldy stalls in the Ulan rink, you know what I mean, when he was with Curry College. And he, uh, you know, and grinded and went down to the East Coast League and really learned and learned as an assistant and then became a head coach and then, you know, an assistant in the American League where he's, you know, learning how to be a general manager and everything, basically. So it was uh, it was really, really, you know, great to, to catch up with him. And obviously, I'm a um, you know, huge fan of the Wasofsky family. They're just great, great people. And his brothers, Adam, uh, Jared, and David, and obviously his parents are just awesome people. And really, uh, really enjoyed him taking the time. And I really hope everybody uh, enjoyed the interview. Yeah, I love the, uh, you know, high character guy, you know, works, you know, extremely hard at the craft. And what's really neat is that he has a good pulse and can communicate with today's player. 
And I mm-hmm. think that's very important for all these organizations to take a look at. Um, instead of recycling someone who's been you know around the game for a long time who hasn't really adapted, you know, this is a, a you know fresh blood coming in, has his eyes and ears open, always wanting to learn. And um, I think he's going to do really great things moving forward. So we wish him the best during the interview process. And like you said, he would, he'd still uh, be happy in, in Chicago. But that's the thing. When you start winning, people take notice. And um, I'm definitely I'm sure he's on the short list of a lot of clubs uh, uh, for their bench. So we wish him the best. Absolutely. Uh, Mots, now it's time for the My Hockey Rankings question of the week. I got my My Hockey Rankings shirt on here. They sent us some nice Peter Malas swag. Look at the little My Hockey Rankings logo on my on my bicep here that I'm obviously showing off. You know what I mean? But they've been doing a lot of stuff online, some, you know, Twitter and Instagram polls um, with the, you know, youth hockey jerseys and things like that. And the My Hockey Questions, uh, My Hockey Rankings question of the week Mots, what is the best college hockey jersey design? Uh, that's a good good question. You know, sometimes they they have like the third jerseys, the throwbacks. Um, I like Arizona State's. Yeah, that's a good yeah. one. That's yeah, a good, it's one. good uh, like the colors, and they can kind of mix and match, and just use the logo. And then there's like the sun, you know, devil there, and um. So yeah, I I would, I would go with that. And Ryan actually got one for Christmas like a few years back, just because he liked it too. And I was like, yeah, the thing's pretty sharp. It is pretty cool. Uh, I'd have to go with North Dakota. Yeah, that's a good one. You know, a little little booger green in there, which uh, you know isn't always the best, but uh, it's definitely uh, you know can remind you of a, the you know little Xbox color or something like that. But it's a uh, it's a cool classic jersey, and you know obviously a very storied uh, franchise. And you know we can't say our own personal jersey. I always love the UNH jersey though, just because it's very you know classic. It's kind of like that old school Penn State uh, football jersey that that you know. I uh, I enjoy, and I'm sure you you know you got to be you're screaming Eagles. I'm sure you like their jerseys too, right? Yeah, I mean it's come a little ways from when I was there. They have some way cooler unis. Uh, we were like the nasty yellow, gold. You yeah, know, you had the gold helmets back in the day. Yeah, yeah, yeah. So they've changed it around a little bit, but yeah, good good color matchups with the uh, golden maroon and and there's some creativity on some of the. I like the throwback jerseys when the vintage ones. That, uh, they had a right before you got to BC. They had like that all brown one that I think said like Boston College. That was terrible. I know uh, that's one of the ones I wore. You wore that? Was that your freshman year? Yeah, yeah. Oh, that was that was a tough look. Uh, yeah. <laughs> what about uh, the best NHL hockey jersey design? Um, you know, kind of go, going off of your North Dakota. I like the Blackhawks. Yeah. Blackhawks yeah, with the logo is great. Um, the other one, close second, um, the Rangers. Very it's classic. funny. It's funny. When you said Blackhawks, I was going to say Rangers. Uh, another classic original six that I, I really like is uh, the Detroit. I just remember, like, uh, what was the dude's name from Ferris Bueller's Day Off wearing the Gordie Howe jersey when they skipped school that day? Was it Cameron? Cameron, yeah. Yeah, rocking that Gordie Howe, original six. Uh, the only, like, say, negative on it, and they, they have to put the A and C on the other side. Yeah, that's the, true. The wing comes up, and it's like, 
it just throws me off a little bit, you know. But they don't want to mess with the location and you know, like the you know the logo uh, at all. So I understand why, but it just kind of throws me off a little bit. Yeah, it's very kind Might of as well put European. a Russian K on there. Yeah, very European. Just being on the opposite <laughs> arm, uh, that that is weird. And but it is a cool a cool jersey. And and like I said, the the Rangers. Uh, I always like the Rangers. I love what you know. I remember seeing you in that sweater march. You look sharp in it, right out of right out of BC. Yeah, I, you know, looking back, there's a few. I have like a couple cards or whatever. But um, like you were 33 there too, right? What I was 33. Yeah, F- 43 in in preseason. Then I was number th- 33 during my rookie year. But um, you know, wearing my Franklin gloves and my Franklin yeah. uh pants and unzipped like in the on the side on the inseam mm-hmm. kind of a tough look you know i, I just, know it I just, was how times actually, i have changed. a quick story about that i'm let's hear I'm it. playing at msg and the assistant coach goes zip up your pants like this you know inseam or whatever i'm like no no I, I just like a little tight i just don't really like you know he's like no glenn sailor just radio down to have you zip up your pants <laughs> okay so i had to do it of course you did oh that's uh that's hilarious what about uh what about the new jersey devils like the green ones the old school yeah and we played in a couple games with those on around st patty's day and we always played well too um so it was a lot of fun to have those throwback unis and um yeah those were pr- pretty cool actually yeah those are those are that's a pretty good look with the green pants and everything. Uh, speaking of green, big shout out to uh, our friend Tom Peterson with uh, Green Biscuit. He hooked us up with uh, some training pucks and things like that for us to mess around in the driveway in the yard with. So get your green biscuits, obviously greenbiscuit.com. Um, you know, though he was very nice to send us some stuff. I was dangling in the yard around the uh, with the kids uh, the last couple of days working on my mitts, trying to get ready for saucer passes this uh upcoming season you know what i mean that's about the extent of my training but those uh those pucks i couldn't believe how how well they actually worked did you test them out at all yeah i did and i actually funny as it may sound i tried to send tom a um email i don't know if i just messed messed something up or whatever but i took a picture of all the the care package of all the the, the biscuits and I was like, hey, thanks so much. They're going to get tons of use. And the guy comes back to me, wrong Tom Peterson. <laughs> I must have put like a, a D or something. But um, I, at the end of the day. I'll send I, you his number. Yeah, please do. So sorry about that, Tom, for not reaching out sooner. But I, I did to the wrong dude. <laughs> oh, that's hilarious. That's great. Yeah, but uh, great products. They slide great on the pavement. And um you know, you can throw some good sauce with them too. So definitely um, you know, check out uh, their website and, and order yourself up some uh, some nice training tools with the biscuits. Yeah, definitely. Uh, speaking of, of off-ice work, obviously street hockey tournament's coming up next week. We're really looking forward to it. Uh, hopefully you guys are around the Kingston Connection. Uh, it's going to be a lot of fun events, a lot of stuff going on um, with with all these teams, and, and we're really uh, we're really looking forward to it. Yeah, it's going to be great. Good event. Going to have some uh, high-level street hockey, right? Absolutely. Dangle out there, work on your mittens with the green biscuits. We might even be getting in the mix, Mots. We might we might play a little bit, show these kids what's up. Yeah, I haven't played on the feet for a while, but um, I th- I'm sure it's like riding a bike. Yeah, yeah. You know? well, if, do, do you want to go rollerblades? 
I would much rather. Yeah, me too. Because <laughs> you don't have to stop and start. Yeah, seriously. Um, but yeah, no, we're looking forward to that. And obviously, uh, you know, once again, uh, good episode, Mott's episode of 80 already, already done. I can't believe it. You know, it's, it's been 80 episodes. Pretty cool when you think about it. Thanks to everybody for listening. Thanks to Ryan Wasowski for uh, coming on. And um, anything else, Mott? You got anything for us? Now we're just trending towards the century mark, which is going to be nice. Absolutely. Uh, I think it's time to cue the ring shrink shuffle, Jersey. Oh,